The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is May 15th. Hope everybody is doing well. Sorry about the delay here. We're going to talk about the Wisconsin sports hate list. We're going to get into teams that right now are at the top of the list for Wisconsin sports fans and who they hate in honor of the Brewers playing the Cardinals this weekend, in honor of the Heat and the Celtics getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Might be a tough week for us. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to also talk about Christian Elch's hot weekend. Uh, just sort of what he did. Is he back? The thoughts on Yelich uh, throughout the first 15 days of the month of May. Actually 14, but that's okay. And then do some golden kegs for Brewers and Royals. Then we'll end the show with the Bucks coaching search, which took a turn over the weekend. We'll talk through that. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Embiid quoting Giannis and why I think it's rubbed a lot of Bucks fans the wrong way. Uh, so we'll get into all that, and that will be today's show. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, uh, follow us along on social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. Sorry, the Instagram and TikTok have been a little bit on the slow side. Uh, it was a busy weekend for me, and when those weekends get busy, that's when I definitely need somebody else doing stuff. Uh, and I don't have it. Um, and that's not like a knock at Mitch. Mitch has his own shit with Garden Home and everything like that. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in creating social content for your boy, uh, I'm all ears. Um, and we can talk about it, have a conversation. My email is snowtap12 at gmail.com. You can DM me. Um, obviously, I'd want some sort of credentials, I guess, uh, that you've done this before. I can't just kind of have some bum off the streets uh, like we have the song for regulators, uh, if you're familiar. Uh, we can't just take anybody. Uh, but if you've done this before or you know somebody who's done it, who'd be interested in building their portfolio, resume, can't really pay. Uh, but I can at least make sure that you have some stuff to showcase and show off. So reach out within. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, and then uh, also make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Uh, if you're not, if you already are subscribed, drop us in the group chat, uh, share with your friends, do whatever you got to do. Um, but yeah, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. You know the deal. Okay, let's get going with the Wisconsin sports hate list. So I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure I've done this po- this segment before. Uh, I'm not, I don't think this is anything new for us, uh, but it's been a while. So it, it's worth rehashing, re reorganizing, you know, the Wisconsin sports hate list. And when I say hate, obviously it's just people that, are, you know, it's hate, hate's a strong word. I, I agree, but it, it is, you do hate some of these teams. Like they, these teams piss you off. These teams make you mad. They, it, it upsets you when they do well. You don't want them to succeed. You want to see them struggle. You want to see their fan base struggle, their fan base freak out, things like that. And so I, I think that there is a laundry list of these teams and I think they exist in all sports. I think some are more than others. I think this is a list that vacillates, you know, as, you know, teams get better, teams get worse, uh, you know, more meaningful sort of moments here and there. And like, I think that that all factors into it. Right now, I will, as a spoiler alert, tell you the Cardinals are probably the lowest they've been on the sports hate list in a long time. I think part of it's due to the Cardinals aren't good this year. I think part of it's due to the Brewers weren't very good last year. And I I don't know if the Cardinals-Brewers rivalry is as strong as it was, let's say in 2021, where they were fighting for the division 
or you know obviously in 2011 when the Cardinals beat the Brewers to go to the World Series I think the hate had never been stronger and that Cardinals team it was a lot it was different because it was Tony La Russa Chris Carpenter they were just the arbiters of baseball they were the ones who played the game the right way and I think it pissed us off as this young spunky Brewer team with Niger Morgan who didn't take any shit from anybody and so I, I think that was part of the hatred that grew for that Cardinals team. But the Cardinals are way down on the list. And to kind of get into it now, and we can kind of talk about what happened on Sunday, the Boston Celtics are number one. I think the Boston Celtics are easily the Wisconsin sports most hated. I think it's because of what happened last year and that the Buc- the Bucks were on the doorstep of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. They did not get there because they had the virtuoso Jason Tatum performance in Milwaukee that was reminiscent to what he did on on Thursday. Was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night, you know, in terms of the late game heroics. We didn't really talk about it on Friday's show. But that was that Tatum that we saw in that game, that was what we saw, you know, in game six through the whole game, not just in the fourth quarter. But Tatum took over that game. Then he takes over tonight. He has 50 points um, in game number seven. And, you know, it's it's a all-time performance. It's something where you wonder how many MVPs is Jason Tatum going to win? I had a buddy who was like, Tatum and Luka are going to win MVPs before we know it. And I don't know about Luka. Uh, I just need to see Luka in shape to start a season. I think that's my problem with Luka. I, Tatum also can take some time off. But this was a all-time performance by Tatum. It was a game seven. It This matters. This goes on your resume. This goes into your sort of legacy or whatever that means. But it makes you as a Bucks fan hate it even more, right? Like the Bucks now, the fact that they are not going to be facing off against Jason Tatum in that in the Eastern Conference Finals starting on, on Wednesday night in Milwaukee is crazy to me. And it's crazy to, I think, a lot of people. And I think that the distaste for Celtics is multiple multiple playoff matchups. Yes, the Bucs were able to beat them when they had Kyrie. The Bucs did lose to them way back when, I think five years ago now, when the Bucs were just coming up. But the Bucs-Celtics rivalry is a real rivalry. I don't think these teams like each other. Uh, Grant Williams, obviously, Al Horford. Uh, and I think they don't really like Giannis. I know Chris Middleton haunts their dreams. Um, I, I think there is some, Grayson Allen, I think, is just a, a check the box by Portis. So I, I think it's an easy number one. I don't, I don't think there's a case to be made for another NBA team who's involved, and we're going to talk about very shortly here. But I, I think, to me, that is the number one team. Number two, I think, will surprise you, but it's the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears, with all the hype that the Bears are getting, the MVP talk for Justin Fields, the, you know, just the Bears could find themselves, you know, as the division winners and all the hype around the Bears has reached an annoying factor. I think it's reached a hateful factor, just given the fact that this really hasn't been a rivalry for a long time. Fans still see it. You still do the Bears still suck the whole trope. If you look at the game itself, it's been very one-sided towards the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Bears fans have got very chesty this offseason. They're like, you don't have Rodgers. You know, our, our nightmare is over. We're going to take the NFC North. We're going to, you know, be the guys. And so I think hearing all of that has made it very kind of hateful and annoying and get and gets to a point where it, it's higher than any of the other teams in the NFC North. And I think that 
there is a yeah a vitriol for that Bears team, and you you kind of want to put it down on them. You kind of want to make sure that Chicago is still a year away from being scary, and they are. But the national media can't help itself because it's a major market. The Bears haven't been good in forever. So they're looking at this like, oh my God, this is like what we had with Philadelphia last year, which I saw someone say that. And that's also not true. Philadelphia made the playoffs in year one at Nick Sirianni. Now, were they good? No, they got their ass kicked by Tampa Bay. They made the playoffs. This Chicago team is a year away from being a year away. And I'm going to keep saying that until it gets through every fucking Bears fan's head. Sorry if that offends if you're a Chicago fan listening. But I think that's where the anger is sort of, the hate is brewing for this team because they haven't won anything. And they're getting, they're already, their asses are already getting crowned. So we'll see week one. Week one is very interesting. Week one, I think, has a lot more impact than other week ones. There's so much there with playing the Bears that where it matters. And if Chicago wins, it's going to make them more hateable. It's going to, and, and I will say this, and you're going to be like, oh, this is loser talk after you were just, you know, talking shit about this football team. If the Bears do win that game, it's it's not really going to affect the season. It's just going to make Bears fans more cocky. Like, it's week one. Week one has usually no indication on what the season will be all about. I did see something interesting from my guy Mikey, who, who I follow on Twitter. It was like, if Aaron Rodgers catches that ball in week one, it, or I was sorry, Christian Watson, is Aaron Rodgers still on this football team? And I, I don't know if it's that if it's that reductive. I, we've talked about that before, but it's a very interesting. Like week one doesn't matter, but maybe maybe it did in that in that scenario. Number three is you guessed it, the Miami Heat. Uh, so we just talked about the Celtics. The Miami Heat have to be near the top right now. I think la- you know two years ago, if you were to do this and you just swept the Heat, I think the Heat wouldn't be nowhere. I, even last year, I think. The Heat would have been far down the list, even as a one seed, because the Bucs didn't play them. And because the Bucs lost them in five games, because Mike Budenholzer, now former Bucs coach, got his lunch eaten in that, in that series, I think we all like are annoyed by the Heat again. And we are annoyed and we need to make sure that the next coach, whoever that may be, can beat this Miami Heat team. And this Miami Heat team isn't exactly going away, right? Jimmy Butler is still under contract. Eric Smolstra is still a young coach um, in in the sense of his age. Like obviously he has he's a longtime coach in terms of basketball years. He's went through a lot, but this team also has room to navigate. Like I think they're going to trade Tyler Harrow. I think they're going to upgrade this roster and figure out how can we make this roster even better. How do we avoid you know being an eight seed again next year and what does that look like they this was very unexpected for them you know i don't think the heat are going to be in a scenario where they're just happy to be here but this is absolute you know pain for bucks fans to have to watch the heat and the celtics again in the eastern conference finals and again, the Bucs are part of it, right? Because the Bucs lost that Miami team. Just like last year, the Bucs lost that Celtics team. And so the Bucs can say, oh, we should have been here. But it, it's, man, it's it's not it's not that way. You know, but I don't know. I, I think they would have beat the Knicks. I think they would have won in five, would have won in six. But still, it, it's still a really tough pill to swallow. And it's the two teams you hate the most that are on the eastern side. And now this is the third time in three in four years that we get Heat Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, that is as much of a rivalry 
as anything else in the NBA right now. I mean, when you have that many playoff matchups against one another, it's a fucking rivalry. And you could argue that the Heat and the Celtics have been more successful overall, cumulatively, than the Bucs. And the Bucs do have the title. Out of those three teams, the only one that has a title is the Milwaukee Bucks. But if the Celtics or the Heat get a title this year, you could probably make a case that the Celtics or the, Bucs or the Heat are more successful in the last four or five years than this Milwaukee Bucks team, which should irk you, should make you upset. And the fact that the Bucs haven't even got to the East, haven't like, think it'd be different if, for example, last year, let's just play it out. Let's let's say the Bucs kind of had it like the Packers, right? Where the Bucs had lost the Heat in the bubble. Or no, I'm sorry, Celtics. They lost Celtics in the bubble um, in, the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's 2020. That went to the Celtics. Bucks end up winning, you know, 2021. They didn't have to go through either uh, Miami or Boston, but they went through a very difficult Brooklyn team to get there. Then in 2022, the Bucks lose to the Heat, and the Heat get in, and the Heat go to the finals against the Warriors. And then this year, the Bucks were taking on the Celtics to kind of avenge 2022 and 2020, where the Bucks have been to now, I think that would be five conference finals and they won, made one finals appearance. I think in that case, which again is very Packers-esque, is a little bit better and shows a little more success. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a conversation topic. It should be. And it does make you hate the Heat. Like it, it just, the Heat are very annoying in that sense that this was not supposed to be their year. And somehow they are in the Eastern Conference Finals for the second straight year, the third year in the last four. And a lot of it's been on the backs of the Bucks, And that, that has to hurt. That has to burn. And we'll see if things change with the new coach. Number four is the Detroit Lions. So yeah, I have the Lions higher than the Vikings. Um, the Detroit Lions, I think just they beat the, beat the Packers the last two times they played. Uh, my sister-in-law's boyfriend is a Lions fan and was talking shit to me. And he's like, like, why are you guys still treating us like little brother? We beat you guys twice last year. And yeah, I don't really want to live in a world where the Lions aren't my little brother. And while the Lion, the Lions hype is going to equal the Bears hype, like everybody's going to talk themselves into the Lions as the division winner. They might have the Bears as a wild card. The Packers will be there at third or maybe even fourth. Uh, and that'll be great. And it, this is a different year. And the Packers are going to be the underdogs for the first time in a very long time. But I just am very curious to see how the Lions handle being the hunted. Lions, or you know, Lions have always sort of been the hunter the last couple of years, right? Where Dan Campbell has a fantastic like ATS record because they always kept games close. They always like they were seven point dogs, eight point dogs, sometimes ten point dogs. But they always find a way to it'd be three points and it'd be down the stretch. So now, what is it going to be like when they're the seven point favorite? When they're the ten point favorite? How are they going to handle that? Is really my question. And where sort of the hatred develops, because I just don't think they're they're built for that. The lights are going to be too bright for this Lions team, and so I think you get an annoyance with you know what the Lions are projected to be from what you know. And now, if you're wrong, and, and the Lions you know come out and they beat the Chiefs Week One, right? Then it immediately turns to holy shit, this is a real contender in the NFC North that we have to take seriously. And I, I, I mean, it's a worry. It's a, it's a true fucking worry. 
And that has not been a worry for Packer fans in a very, very long time. So I, I do think that that is worth a small amount of consideration and worth a, you know, at least a, a thought. And, a, a, and it, I think the Lions-Packers rivalry, if the Packers are good this year, will grow. I think it will, it will sort of become... You know, it could be the rivalry in the next three to four years just with what the Lions have built so far. Number five, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, first Brewer one. I, I still think the Cardinals are top in terms of rivals. I think the Brewers and Cardinals have had some battles. I think, you know, the Cardinals have been until this year the model of success. Uh, they have a team that has seemingly had the had the, the Brewers number in the last few years uh, with a lot, of, a lot of their guys that, kill the Brewers, whether it's Arenado, whether it's Goldschmidt. Uh, it was Yadier Molina in the past, right? Uh, and just other guys that just have moments, like Jordan Walker had, had a moment. Now he's set down. But I, I do think, like, the Cardinals are still annoying. Like, Wainwright, I think they probably will face Wainwright this weekend, who, who hasn't pitched well. But Adam Wainwright has so much career success against the Brewers that you can't ignore it. Even Jack Flaherty, who's pitching tonight against the Brewers, you're like, oh, Jack Flaherty has owned the Brewers, right? Fast, like he's he's had some good numbers against the Brewers. So you have Jack Flaherty tonight. Well, let's see. And like all of it just, you know, sends kind of these chills down your spot. Jordan Montgomery on Tuesday night, left-hander who dominated the Brewers uh, earlier this season as the Brewers continue continue to have trouble with, with left-handers. And then on Wednesday, it is Adam Wainwright against Corbin Burns. But it, so like, those guys all sort of give you the chills. And I think that's part of a, a hatred is like you're annoyed at how good these guys are. And you also know they're not dead. It's kind of similar to Miami Heat team where it's like, I don't care that the Cardinals are 16 and 25. They did just take two out of three to the Red Sox on the road. Red Sox are a pretty solid home team. So that was a pretty impressive weekend for St. Louis. But they're nine games back. And they're nine games under 500. But they are in no shape of the word dead. Like they are, they are not dead. I think until until we say they are dead, right? They're seven and a half back of the Brewers in first place. So that 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 tells you right there, right? Like the Brewers have not put this Cardinal team away. I had some people mention how if the Brewers would have swept, you know, it would have not had that awful road trip. And with how bad the Pirates have been, they could have easily sort of separated themselves in the Central. But that's baseball, man. Like, at, no lead is safe right now, right? For example, the Dodgers are three games up on the, on the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks could easily catch that in a couple of days. The Padres are seven back. They're really struggling. But I, I don't I don't count out the Padres. I don't count out the New York Mets, who are one game under 500 right now. Like, I just, it's way too early. And that's part of it, too, with the Cardinals is, like, that's where that hate, you know, can redevelop pretty easily that Cardinals team gets hot, like that's going to really annoy you. That's really going to ruin your summer if that Cardinals team shows any real signs of life. Number six, the Minnesota Vikings. So East Dakota, probably lowest I think the Vikings have been on the list. And again, that's part of the last year, not really, not really being that big of a, you know, Packers won a big one at home against Minnesota. That was great. Packers lost in Minnesota, equally not great. Uh, but I, I look at that sort of matchup and it it there it's it's always gonna be big, 
But I feel like it's not been as maybe significant in the last couple the last couple of years. I mean, it was rated by CBS as the third rivalry of the 2000s, which I think is accurate. I think there was definitely that. I mean, the Packers did end up winning the division um, in, what was that, 2019 in Minnesota. That was probably the last sort of big game. Uh, the Packers also eliminated the Vikings from playoff contention last year. But remember, Kirk Cousins was not playing in that football game. Minnesota had kind of cashed it in. They fired Mike Zimmer. Um, so it, it there it hasn't really hit that level of, you know, back and forth. The Rodgers hit was, you know, 2017. So it was a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I think 2019, when the Packers were able to win the NFC North, it was LaFleur, you know, Zadarius Smith, you know, now who was a Viking, now who's a Brown. Uh, I think there was a lot there. And so 2019 was sort of that that moment, the last time we had it really humming for Packers-Vikings. But the last few years, I mean, they've split. Um, so the Packers have not swept the Vikings since 2019. The Vikings haven't swept the Packers since 2017. Uh, when the collarbone injury happened. U.S. Bank, though, has been a house of horrors. You could argue as a hate stadium. U.S. Bank's way up there, but yeah, Vikings at number six. Number seven, I have the Chicago Cubs. I think the Cubs-Brewers rivalry is always going to be there. I, I do think that it's partly due to the fact you get a lot of Cubs fans at American Family Field. I think that adds to the rivalry. I think Cubs fans maybe are more the rival than the team on the field because the Cubs just haven't been good the last few years um, and taking a step back. Brewers have also had some success against this Chicago team. So I, I think it's a combination of it. If the Cubs, you know, they're only, they're a couple games under 500. They didn't have a really good series. They didn't have a good weekend in Minnesota. They lost two out of three. But if the Cubs, you know, kind of come back to life a little bit here, and they're contending with the Brewers, that rivalry is going to pick up. And But it hasn't really been that way for a long time. When the Cubs were good, the Brewers weren't. When the it, when the Brewers were good in 2011, the Cubs weren't. Um, the Cubs were in there kind of the start of their rebuild after 2008. Eight. In 2008, 2007, 2008 was probably the best version of Brewers-Cubs, and that's fucking... 16, 15 years ago. It's been a long time since we've really had the true blue Brewers-Cubs rivalry. Um, and it'd be awesome to get it back. But yeah, I think right now it's maybe it's the Cubs, it's the fan bases that annoy each other. And you get dumb fights. And I think they really do try to not put these games on the weekends because I think there there's too much bad shit that tends to happen between Brewers and Cubs fans. It's just dumb. It's just dumb, stupid shit, and, which is annoying. But that's, you know, how fan bases are sometimes. Number eight, we'll run through the last few. I, I just put UConn um, on there from basketball team. feel like that has become a rivalry uh, for for the overall, like, the just the two teams don't really like each other. I think that's a that's definitely going to be more of a rivalry next year um, as UConn tries to defend their their tournament title. Uh, but with against the Big East champs. And they're going to always have the one-up of we won the tournament the year you guys won the Big East regular season and the Big East tournament title. So that's always going to exist. Um, I'll, so I, I'm going to pivot here. I, I did have go for football, but I'm just going to say Marquette basketball, Wisconsin basketball for the two teams. I think that rivalry is there. I don't think it, it just sort of is, is there. I, I think 
there is a certain section of Marquette fans and there's a certain section of Wisconsin fans that fucking can't stand each other. Um, I think there are people who cheer for both teams. So that's why you can't really bring it that high on the list. There hasn't been that one big blow where it's like they got out, one team got out recruited by the other. Um, they seem to recruit, they kind of stay on their, their own swim lanes in that, or they get beat out by an, another team for a guy, right? Like Kai Rogers, Tosa West guy, shout out. Um, maybe that's the, maybe that's the start of that and adds to that rivalry. But I think, I, I really don't think it's as significant as it's been maybe in a couple of years. I think part of that's also due to the fact that Wisconsin, you know, they just, it's kind of that Cubs thing, right? They haven't really been humming at the same time. We haven't, we haven't got that top 10 matchup or that top 25 matchup between the two teams. And that, that happens when you only play once. And so um, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe this year is different. Maybe the years to come are different. At some point, you're going to have somebody who goes from Marquette to Wisconsin in the transfer portal or vice versa. And I, I do think that will kick up the dirt. But yeah, that's nine for me. And then tens of Sixers. Um, and we'll talk, I want to do more on the Sixers, so I won't I won't spoil it here. But yeah, the Sixers, even though it has never happened in the playoffs, there is a annoyance there. It's a Giannis Embiid thing. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's present. Um, it's not as present as maybe... It is for other teams, but it's one that's a weird one because, yeah, you haven't seen each other in the playoffs yet, which is, it's wild. It's really wild that we've now got one year of Giannis Embiid. So recap, it is Celtics, Bears, Heat, Lions, Cardinals, Vikings, Cubs, UConn, uh, Marquette, Wisconsin, respectfully, whoever side you're on, and then Philadelphia. Let me know if I missed anybody. Let me know your list. You can hit me up on social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram. Uh, if you want to share your list, it doesn't have to be 10. It could be three. It could be five. Uh, but yeah, just those, those you hate. Um, but yeah, so we'll have to grin our teeth watching the Cardinals this weekend, watching Celtics heat. Um, so, but life moves on. Um, you know, you can just, you know, have it on mute, listen to a podcast, listen to music. So you don't have to, you know, hear them singing the praises of that. And at least you get the, you know, hometown crew for, for the Brewers. And they don't, they're not pre- praising Yadi Molina anymore. Uh, every other, you know, pitch. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. And speaking of those Brewers, they had a good weekend. They swept the Kansas City Royals. Uh, it was something that... I thought, I didn't think a sweep was needed, but the Brewers at least needed to win two out of three to kind of reset after sort of having a bad two, three weeks. It really seemed like the Brewers righted the ship with a bad baseball team. And I think that's the nice thing about this competitive schedule or this balanced schedule, I should say, is that the Brewers are going to get these sort of refreshes. They get to play the Oakland A's, uh, who are very bad. I think there are a couple other teams that you could qualify and say, all right, they get to face these teams, you know, more often than not. And last year, you would not have had the luxury of getting a weekend against the Royals at home. That really is beneficial. I'm trying to think if there's any other teams that qualify. The Royals, really the Royals and the A's are the two worst teams. White Sox are also there. They have 14, they only have 14 wins, but it, Chicago, you know, has a ton of talent. But still, who knows? Maybe they blow it up when the Brewers play them in August. Uh, maybe that White Sox team looks entirely different. Um, and who knows, maybe the Nationals, who I think are a little scrappier um, than most at 17 wins. Still, they, you know, 
they could give you a game. So I think to win against the Royals, to not play with your food, remember last year the Brewers had so many problems with bad teams, and you saw it against the Rockies, who they who inexplicably swept the Brewers. I think you you just were like, all right, let's not have that repeat at home big weekend series too with it being Mother's Day. And you had Christian Yelich come back to life. And Christian Yelich, I've always sort of held out hope that maybe that Yelich could come back again. That the Yelich of the MVP years could be could be there again. You know, Mitch talked about it on our podcast, I think a couple weeks ago, where he's like, look, Yelich probably cheated. Yelich probably benefited from the, the juice balls. It's okay to say it. It's fine. It's not a big deal, right? It's baseball. It happens. And I kind of agreed, but I also was like, well, maybe maybe Yelich could finally, you know, fine-tune his adjustments and figure out how to be, you know, at least maybe in between. Maybe not the MVP level guy. Maybe not the 35, 40 fucking home runs guy, but not the 10 home runs guy and sort of find a, a middle ground. And that's, I think, what we're seeing here. I've been mentioning it on Twitter. I think I've talk, talked to you guys in the podcast about it, where I've said, Yelich has been hitting some clutch hits. Like Yelich has found himself in situations where he's had runners on second and third, and it's like single to right, one run is in, or two runs are in. And I, I feel like it's happening more and more. It's less of Yelich is striking out in that moment. And the guy has just been on a tear in this last seven days. He's eight for 20. He's hitting 400. He has three home runs. He has nine RBIs. For the month of May, he's batting 348. He has six strikeouts total. He is scalding hot. And this is the Yelich that makes you want to watch every at-bat. And that's that's what I love. And that that's a uh, feeling I haven't had in a long time with Yelich, where you kind of have to be at your TV when Yelich is up because he could go yard. He won the Brewers the game on, on Saturday. That was all Christian Yelich. I can't tell you the last time Christian Yelich won a baseball game for the Milwaukee Brewers. And that is that a criticism of, of him? Yeah, a little bit. He's had so, just, it's not been that guy for a long time. And if this is starting to come back to life, we, re, we have to reset our expectations about this Milwaukee Brewers team. And we have to think about this Brewers team a lot differently. And that's very exciting, right? If the Brewers can't really pitch, which they've struggled a little bit, if you didn't know, um, and they need the offense and Yelich is the guy to provide it, I'm all in on that. Yelich is going to pick everybody up. Yelich is going to make things easier for the guys behind him, the guys ahead of him. That's like, all right, we don't want we don't want runners on. We want to make sure that we're you know pitching around Yelich. You know, remember the reason why Yelich started taking so many walks is because nobody wanted to give him pitches, and it seems like that has kind of changed now with you know the, the last few games. But it's it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep this up. Is he going to be this hot the rest of the year? No, that's unrealistic. At some point, he'll hit a slump again. Right, and everybody like, oh, same old Yelich. Like, I think like we're at this point with Christian Yelich, it's kind of like the Joe is Joe Flacco elite conversation, right? Where it's like, oh, he has one good start. It's like Joe Flacco, elite quarterback in the NFL, uh, and then he'd suck and he'd throw three interceptions and be like, oh, Joe Flacco, I told you, he's not elite. And I feel like we're doing that a lot with Yelich. It's like, okay, Yelich is awesome for a week. It's like, oh my God, Christian Yelich, he's back. MVP Yelich. Like I, I heard, I saw that by Bally, which made me want to cringe so fucking hard. It's like, guys, 
It's one weekend series against the Royals. Like, I love what Yelich is doing, but let's just let's tone it down with the MVP stuff. Like that, that Yelich, I I don't think is back. Like I, I again, it's that mid tier, like which is great. Like that's still a really good baseball player. That's a fringe All Star player, right? I'm not trying to discount what Christian Yelich is doing, but I think as long as you know we can see more clutch hitting, we can see more. Hey, let me put the team on my back. Moments. That's the type of stuff that's gonna make you feel like this guy's back. And he is a star versus just the, just the guy. And that's that's the part that I think really you need to focus on. You don't need to worry about is he back, is he not back, is he, like, is he more than just the guy? And this weekend he was. Now, how does he, how does he look this week? Because it's a big week for the Brewers, right? You go to St. Louis, you can kind of pu- pull yourself away from the Cardinals, at least for now. Again, as we just talked about in that hate segment, they're not dead until they're dead. But you, if you win two out of three against St. Louis, you you have then a little bit of a stranglehold, and you then have a potential nine. Well, what? Let's see. If you let's say they won two and they lost one, if you're eight and a half up on the Cardinals, that's pretty good. And then you go to Tampa. Bay. Tampa Bay is a a real test, a real sort of barometer of what you are as a baseball team this weekend. I'm mad that I'm busy all weekend. I can, I'm not going to probably be able to watch Friday. I'll be able to watch, no, no, Saturday. Unless we're at a bar, I'm at a wedding uh, this weekend. My wife's in it. So I have a rehearsal dinner on Friday night. And then I have, obviously, the the actual wedding and then the party bus. So unless we're at a bar, I'm not watching a lot of Brewers Rays on, on Saturday. So I'll get to watch Sunday and probably I'll rewatch, you know, whatever happened Friday and Saturday. But, like, that's a great fucking test for the Brewers. And if the Brewers can come out of this road trip, like, 4-2, and two, I think it's, a, a, it's a statement because it means you, you've won some games against Tampa Bay, but also that you've kind of put St. Louis in the ground. And that, that, they, that opportunity is there for the Brewers. And we'll see if they take advantage of it. And it could start with Christian Yelich and what he's doing. And maybe the Brewers sort of pick up on that hot streak and get themselves going. I mean, Yelich, the third inning moment he had yesterday where he steals a base, they overthrow it, then they overthrow it at third, Yelich sees an opportunity and he keeps running home. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it, it kept that inning going, it sparked that inning and the Brewers finished with seven runs and that was all they needed. They did get another homer from Brasso, but that was it after being down four to one. And it was like, you know, it was like, okay, Mother's Day's ruined. Thanks a lot, Colin Ray. And then sure enough, the Brewers come through. and Really good shit, man. And just I, I'm just in awe of Yelich again. And that's that's a fun thing to have that that happen again. Let's run through Golden Kegs really quick. Um, we do this every series. We talk about the best and worst from the the Brewers series. You, sometimes we do trips, like if it's two series. Uh, because of scheduling, but we're, we did do the Dodgers, so we'll do the Royals here. Uh, five kegs is Christian Yelich, as we've we've just talked about him for the last ten minutes. Uh, it, not much more needs to be said. Uh, great weekend for him. Number four is Owen Miller. Uh, Owen Miller being a productive part of the Brewers was not something that I expected this season. Um, I felt like Owen Miller is just a guy, cool story. He's from Ozaki County. Ryan Braun was his favorite player growing up. Like. It, it's a cool story. Like, it's a story that the big J's love. Like, that's that's red meat for them. 
And but he's becoming a little more than that. Like yeah, three hit game on Friday night. He hit a home run. He you know was a huge part of the Brewers' success on Friday evening. And then also had a double and scored a run on Saturday or on Sunday. Excuse me. He's hitting three fourteen right now, and you kind of can't keep his bat out of the order. Like he has to keep playing. Like he's he's OPS is seven eighty one. Like you, you have to at least consider riding this Owen Miller hot streak until until it runs out, right? And so we'll see if Owen Miller continues to get at bats. I mean, he's a scrappy little guy, but it's it's all sort of working right now. And you have to continue to look at Owen Miller as a guy for the Milwaukee Brewers. Three kegs, Joey Weimer. Uh, Joey Weimer didn't really have that good of a week, but Joey Weimer had the walk off sack fly. That's cool. That's a that's a good moment for Joey Weimer uh, and for a young Brewers player. And to have those clutch moments early on in your career is only going to help going forward. And so, uh, yeah, Joey Weimer is still not necessarily hitting the ball as well as I think we all like him to. He's batting 207 overall. But I, I, I still think that th- these little moments will be building bro- blocks for his career. So I'm still waiting for that Joey Weimer hot streak. But at least it's it's kind of there. Two kegs to Adrian Hauser. It's not that Adrian Hauser pitched poorly. He's given up a lot of hits. Like that's the only thing that I'm like concerned about with Hauser. He's given up 15 hits in his two starts, and he did not make it out of the fourth inning. He pitched four innings, gave a home run to Salvador Perez right away in the third inning that gave the Royals a lead. Uh, but how so? Hauser's not exactly doing terrible. But he's not necessarily maybe at the level we need him at. Just considering, you know, the Brewers are, the rotation has been sort of subpar. I mean, you had a good start from Corbin Burns. He did walk four guys, but seven strikeouts for him. He only allowed two hits um, and was pretty solid on, on Friday night. It was a, that was a nice bounce back for Corbin Burns after the Friday before. It had been a little bit of a disaster and a little bit of like, hey, are we sure on Corbin Burns? Um, so and I, I think we're I think we're sure. And I think he's gonna he's gonna get the ball in you know the St. Louis series. He's gonna get the ball next week, I think, against the Astros. Like those will, those will be good tests for Corbin Burns, and he did well against the Cardinals earlier this season. But yeah, I I think I think that at, going back to Hauser, like he's been okay, he's been serviceable. I think as long as he can kind of you know stop stop giving up too much contact, like it, it could be a little bit better for him, and th- that. Is just an improvement, and maybe it'll come. It's only he's only pitched two starts, so I'm not trying to overreact too much. And he hasn't cost the Brewers any games, but yeah, uh, Hauser hits the two keg and one keg to Colin Wright. Colin Wright is just not a starter pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. Okay, I realize sometimes you have to pitch those guys, like Jordan Lyles, for example, for the Royals. He's been terrible this year, and yet Jordan Lyles is out there on, on Sunday. So the Royals don't have anything else. I, at this point, if I was doing a Royals podcast, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know how you could pitch Jordan Lyles. Like, it's really hard for me to see the case for Jordan Lyles. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. And you sometimes have to pitch those guys. So anyways, I, I personally would, um, would look at this and say, no, no, no. Uh, no more Colin Ray. Be interested to see what the Brewers do. Uh, he would pay, face the Rays this weekend. Uh, the Brewers would probably lose 20 to three if Colin Ray was pitching. So let's hope that the Colin Ray experiment is over. I mean, 
try something else, right? You know, Jansen Junk's pitching well in Nashville. I realize he struggled in his first start, but maybe it's a chance. Maybe you bring back Jansen Junk and you say, all right, let's try it out again. Let's see if this will work. Um, you know, is there other guys that potentially you could look at and say, all right, yeah, maybe they're a guy. I don't think I would go for Robert Gasser. The ERA is is too small. Ethan Small speed or too large, excuse me, is as a a five ERA in uh in Nashville. That's not that's not great. That's not exactly what you want. Uh Ethan Small has been really good out of the bullpen, but it, I don't know if Ethan Small is a starter, right? And that's that you have to ask yourself. Uh Tom Thomas Pannone's done well um in his three starts. But I think Pannone has struggled in the big leagues, if I'm not mistaken. And that's maybe some of the problems, right? Like, he, oh yeah, his MLB career stats, he's seven and seven in his career with a 543 ERA and 111 pitches. So Pannone has certainly not necessarily been been a guy that has been a starter. I knew the name looked familiar. He, he yeah, I pitched for Toronto um, and really struggled um, in his starts in Toronto. Um, where he started seven games for the, the the Blue Jays in 2019 and six in 2018. He was a little better in 2018, was not as good in 2019. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he's, this has been a long time since he's been back in the big leagues. Maybe he gets another opportunity um, since he's been pitching well in Nashville. But yeah, I, I do wonder if the Brewers are going to try something new um, here going forward. Uh, Pannone's nickname is Little G, which is interesting uh, and kind of weird. But here, that's that's here uh, nor there. All right, really quickly uh, to ride us out for the week, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and their coaching search. Uh, we don't have any new news. Um, I think people think, sorry about that, that people think that the Bucks are going to make a hire sooner rather than later. Um, it seems like it is close. I saw Ben Thompson who isn't necessarily a reporter, but a, a Bucks fan who's plugged in saying the Bucks are close to making it making a decision, but we have not seen it just yet. So the one that sort of gave Bucks fans a lot of dismay and anger was that Mark Jackson, I guess, is getting interviewed this weekend. I do not understand that in the slightest. And you try really hard to be like, okay. What's been leaked out? It was reported by Shams Sharania. Mark Jackson is a clutch client. Shams does work for clutch, uh, is also a clutch client. Um, so it's, it's obviously to their benefit that Mark Jackson is being talked about in coaching circles again. Uh, it helps for other teams. I don't know if it's the Bucks wanting to get a POV from Mark on what he's watched. I mean, he's watched a lot of Bucks games from the you know broadcast booth. But I've never thought that Mark Jackson has been profound enough to be like, yeah, that guy should be the next Bucks head coach. Mark Jackson had a lot of problems as an NBA coach. He was very old school, very, you know, sort of, you know, set in his ways, very stubborn, uh, was not a very, you know, good people guy. Like he did not build, you know, strong relationships as, you know, assistant coaches. And also he had a lot of derogatory comments to the gay community, uh, the LBGTQ plus community. Like that was not something that Mark Jackson, you know, had in it, it had support there. And you look at Milwaukee as a city, you know, obviously Pride Fest and things like that. It's 
it's a very strong you know gay community there in the city of Milwaukee and those those people are Bucks fans they have pride night they've you know they do those things and to bring a guy like Mark Jackson on I don't know what message you send to that fan base now you could say well Charlie that's a a small part right but also you got to remember like Eden's and formerly Jimmy has them not Jimmy has them way more conservative than Eden's and Lazary but those two were very very progressive they supported you know president joe biden they supported former president barack obama like they they were not and they were against you know former president trump like so i i just think that would be such an about face you know and, and again we talk about the tough cells and we talked about that with dr rivers last week where i was like where are all the dr rivers rumors coming from and bucks fans are still scared that dr rivers is somehow going to become the bucks coach and i think this is where sometimes we get really bogged down in it because we just don't know what's going on. And sometimes this is the difference between NBA reporting and NFL reporting. I feel like NFL, you know all the coaches that are being talked about. You know every interview. It's being reported, you know, like it's, you know, the Geneva Convention or something like that. Like it's every every guy's getting mentioned. We don't know if the Bucs have interviewed Nick Nurse. That has not been leaked out. We, don't, we know the Bucs have interviewed Kenny Atkinson. We know the Bucks have interest in Ty Lue. So what, you know, is, are, are those interviews happening? We don't know. And we know Mark Jackson's being interviewed because Mark Jackson wanted to get that out there. Mark Jackson did, I believe, interview for the King's job. I don't think it was it before Mike Brown was hired. I'd have to look back. But I remember there was some real thought that Mark Jackson might get the King's job. And so, yeah, Mark Jackson trying to get his name back into that coaching ring and coaching hat. But that would be a colossal failure for the Bucs. I don't think it's going to happen. I, the Monty Williams stuff also picked up some steam this weekend. I should have mentioned that. Monty Williams gets fired. A lot of people were like, oh, he could be the Bucks head coach. That was the guy that Woj was mentioning as a potential option. And it's like, really? The guy that was outcoached by Mike Budenholzer in the finals? That's the guy you want as your head coach. Now, I will leave this food for thought. And I'll leave you here on this podcast with this thing to think about. If Giannis Antetokounmpo wants Mark Jackson, or if Giannis Antetokounmpo wants Monty Williams, they're probably going to hire those guys. And I want just everyone to realize that. And I'm not trying to blame Giannis here. But if Giannis is asking, hey, I want to hear what Mark Jackson thinks of our team. Or, hey, I want to hear what Monty Williams thinks of our team. Or Doc Rivers, for example, right? I think that you have to let your let that, you know, you have to give that intel to your players. We are in a very much a player empowerment era. Uh, look at John Morant, who's been, who was treated with kids' gloves, and somehow he did exactly what he, he did last season. And now he's facing maybe a year, half long, a, a half a year suspension. We'll see. But you have to treat your, you know, treat your star player the way he wants to be treated. And I'm sure Giannis is involved with a lot of this stuff. And they're they're probably communicating who they want, what they want. I don't think they're going to make a decision without getting the sign off from Giannis. And I also think that there are guys that Giannis probably wants them to talk to. And maybe Mark Jackson's one of them. And I'm not not defending it at all. I, I think Mark Jackson would be a complete disaster. I think it would set the Bucks back. I mean, this would be Herb Colt. I mean, we would be back to that. It would be an all-time meltdown. It would be bad. 
So let's let's hope it's not happening. Uh, let's hope that it was just a favor um, and it's nothing more, nothing less. Uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, definitely took a little bit of a turn and it will hopefully, you know, it, it turns back into the right direction. All right. Back tomorrow, um, then we'll be off Wednesday, and then uh, Thursday with Mitch. I think uh, I was just thinking about it though, and you know, with the Cardinals and Brewers playing at night on Thursday, on uh, Wednesday, that's not really conducive for that podcast. But we'll we'll have to see. And then, um, so if for some reason Mitch and I aren't going to do Thursday, I will be back with you uh, in person Thursday, and then Mitch and I on Friday if we decide to push it back. Uh, because of Brewers Cardinals, but I don't know. It's like it's it's, it's always hard, right? Because it's, it's a random series during the week, and it's not as meaningful because the Cardinals aren't as good. But that's again conversations for Mission I to have. So we'll we'll do that then. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a good week and good Monday, and we'll try to get Monday podcasts up earlier than we have been. I apologize for that. Uh, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, this week was this weekend was tough, like I said. So uh, hopefully this is a blip, and then we'll, we'll get going on uh, having more content for you on Mondays. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.